Welcome to the Cook Collective Podcast. I'm Brandon Cook, and here along with my cousin Adam, we're here to speak about our life experiences and growth through plant medicines, meditation, exercise, diet, and how it all plays a vital role in our relationships and everyday lives. Today we talk about giving that shithead voice in your head a name and basically telling him or her to shut the fuck up. You know, the voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, keeps you insecure, maybe tells you you're not good looking or wealthy enough. Man, that one. fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that voice, okay? Because you know you have it. I have it. Brandon has it. Every person I know has it, but we don't all know how to control it. So we give some really good tips and really good ideas of how to look at that voice as a different entity other than you, which is what it is. So we talk about this and we move a lot into how we've been so busy creating somebody that maybe we're kind of forgetting who we really are. So we hope you enjoy. We had a great time doing this. I think we touched on some very important topics because this is the thing that's holding most of us back. Let's learn how to deal with it and let's move past it. Hope you enjoy. What's up, Brandon? Yo, how are you doing today? Oh, good, man. I'm glad you're here. Not I'm out glad to be here. Not out traveling, making it. <laughs> Such a hard life. Just Such a hard life. Just getting discovered. <laughs> band is killing it. Hanging out with rock stars and yeah. famous producers and recording at legendary studios. Man, I'm stoked this weekend. We're going up to San Francisco to record at, it's called Hyde Street Recorders, but it used to be called Wally Hyders, which is where... Like Jefferson Airplane recorded, The Dead recorded, uh, David Crosby would do all of his recordings, which is like some of my favorites, like David Crosby's first solo album, and then a lot of the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young th- stuff was recorded up there, which to me was was huge. Like that song, Almost Cut My Hair, from David Crosby was like my anthem in high school, and I had, you know, start growing my hair out, and it's like, I feel like that song along with the movie Easy Rider was like the 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 picture and the sound of like the counterculture movement. Right. And so I'm, I'm really excited to go experience that studio. And I just fucking love San Francisco. And so it's going to be really fun to me to like get to actually work out of there this weekend. We're going to lose you to San Francisco someday. Yeah. yeah. Damn, <laughs> damn hippie. I was like, everyone's going to start hating me when I swap that Dodger hat out for a giant. No, I'm kidding. No, I won't do that. <laughs> swap that Dodger hat That's out. That's okay. For a giant, I, giant I wear hat. an Atlanta Braves hat and I don't even like the Braves. It just to I keep just like the, the peace. A on it. Yeah, it's like, guys, it's cool. I'm a Braves fan. And no Adam. one even knows in LA. Yeah, it. it's A for Adam. I for Adam. Yeah, so I should get a Brooklyn Dodger hat. So like Ooh, I should get an A's hat. There you go. I could take take the S off. I could Bay just area, find dude. A hat. I'm gonna get you to come up. I'm gonna go up. You know, kind of ch- scope out the scene, make it safe for us, and then bring us up. Hopefully, we don't get run out of town. Everyone says that, like, I guess that I maybe talk a little too non PC. I don't think I'm that non PC, but apparently, all my friends are like, dude, San Francisco is gonna kick you out for the way you talk. Like, what do you mean? It's because maybe I'm not the most PC all the time. PC, what, what does that mean exactly? Politically correct. Oh. You know, like like PC culture, oh, PC God. movement, you know. We went and rode bikes in up there. Yeah. In there, up there. My around, Bobby's house. Around Fair, Fairfax yeah. and all, all these areas. I just go up there to take acid and hope that I run into Bob Weir every time I'm up there. That's cool. I feel like just it's just like the, the siren call for Bobby. If you take acid up there, then he just knows. Yeah. And he comes and finds you. He comes out out of the weeds. <laughs> yeah. Out of the flowers. A wild Bob Weir appears and right. just <laughs> floating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's this intolerable kind of political eel up there that's a little strange to me, but whatever. Everyone's got, got their beliefs. It's I fine. I do love it. I do. I love I love the culture. I love the people. I love the the weather. I have a lot of hair, and it's cold weather up there, so it works for me. Riding bikes up there is amazing. Uh, it's beautiful. God, it's beautiful. The, the the cycling is just it's it's like the mecca. Oh, a little, yeah. little cold, but it's, I love that cold. Personally, I, I like the warm. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'd rather move to like Costa Rica or something. Yeah, that kind of warm, not desert, dude. I'll California, tell you what, so, Southern California warm is fine for me. Too. I'm gonna let in everyone in on the ground floor of a little secret for like a great investment for some warm weather beachfront property. Salton Sea. Oh yeah, cheap. No, I, cheap. I one, bet. one of those days that it's not going to be a, a cesspool. Isn't, you're it, have isn't that kind of property? Isn't that kind of like buying swamp land? I'd say safer because eventually that sea will not be like a death pool. When? In one day. It may not be in our lifetime, but you know, leave it for your kids. No, we're heading into more droughts. Just yeah. Just just like we always well, okay. have. And is Salton Sea, California? It is. Oh yeah. yeah that, okay. It's like Palm Springs. It's right next to Palm Springs, more or less. Or Coachella. It's right next to Coachella. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually love the Salton Sea because you know, then you have like Slab City and Salvation Mountain. Which is out there, which is beautiful. I heard the Salton the Salton Sea stinks. Yeah, it's bad. terrible. Well, so here, <laughs> when we talk about pollution, here no one, most people that I talk to in California don't even know about the Salton Sea. The Salton Sea used to be this beautiful resort. Like John Wayne would hang out there. They have a big speedboat race. Beach Boys would play there. You've heard of Bombay Beach Club. Like there was a place called Bombay Beach on the Salton Sea that was like. This like destination spot for people. What happened was all the runoff from all the chemicals and uh, fertilizer all the farmers used in the Coachella Valley, you know, for all the dates and everything they're growing. Basically, the way the irrigation was set up is instead of like draining to the Sea of Cortez, which is right there, it drained back into the Salton Sea. So all those chemicals went into the Salton Sea, creating, making it so, it just basically so polluted that everything in it started dying. So you, when you walk on the beach there, you think you're walking on sand until you realize it's all dead fish. All the birds that, it's a part of the huge migratory path from north to south for birds, they stop there to get water, they die because it's so toxic there. So basically we have this giant cesspool in the middle of California that's this beautiful piece of land. It used to be really important to the indigenous culture there because when it was a thriving sea, there was thriving um, civilizations that lived along it. No one talks about it. They just let it all go to waste. And there's some movements to save the Salton Sea, but it has like no backing. Yeah. Until what happens is when the winds pick up from time to time, you can smell it in Beverly Hills and then people get all pissed off that the air stinks because the Salton Sea is blowing this way. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoops. Yeah, so, you know, don't pollute. Well, that just shows you how terrible big agriculture is for the planet. Yeah, on that scale without having sustainable means and like, you know, long last, but yeah, sustainable means to like deal with runoff and waste that comes from it. Isn't that crazy that the fertilizers and the pesticides can ruin a whole ecosystem of water, mm -hmm. but we're supposed to be okay to eat it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Your <laughs> body will handle it. Just take some pills when you're in your 60s. Uh, and, you know, I don't know why my immune system's so fucked up. Yeah, there you go. It killed the whole entire sea. I do recommend people go out and see the Salton Sea. I think it's beautiful. And it's I would like to. It's very like Mad Maxi. It's very post-apocalyptic. Yeah, cool. you feel like you're gonna see a pterodactyl swing down. That's cool. Yeah, I love it. I love it out there. Super cool. So today I wanted to talk about uh, something that has helped me, and I've been talking to another friend of mine about this quite a bit lately. Is we all have this voice in our head yeah. that tells us we're not good enough. We shouldn't be doing this. You're not as pretty as this girl, or you're not as make as much money as this guy and you don't, whatever that is. Right. And this voice is holding us back and it's clear because you can hear it. Because when mm. you think something, you can say to your something, and you can say something in your head, and then you can either repeat that thing or you cannot repeat that thing. You can say something in your head and you can not believe it or you can believe it. So really that voice in your head is an, another entity that may not be your true self. Mm -hmm. There's a good Ram Dass, Alan Watts uh, podcast right now on Here, Here and Now podcast. Oh, where they go back and forth. Yeah, they're, their yeah, they're, yeah, they're going back and forth. Between it. And Ram Dass talks about how we have this voice that is true self, that is, that is the, the purest you know, of love and God. And then we have this other voice that's usually ego, 
that can disguise itself as that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, our, our greatest gift that we're given as humans is that gut feeling, is intuition, is knowing that there's a dangerous situation, knowing that what this person is saying doesn't make sense. There's, they've got an ulterior motive. Knowing that, you know, women talk about this all the time when they're in relationships that they have that, you know, I know something's going on. If someone's doing something wrong in the relationship, you can usually sense it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the, that's the true voice. Yeah. That's the voice that we continue to not listen to. And the other voice jumps in and will talk you out of it. But this, but this voice that's telling you what you are and, and, and it's holding you back, my idea was to give it a name, mm-hmm. right? Give it a name. I, I had this talk with this, with this young lady about it, and she was, had talked about uh, she, she had some, some acne. And, I, and she said that she started to like take this med- medication for it. And the medication has crazy si- side effects. And I, and I asked her, I'm like, have you tried changing your diet first? You know, what, what's your diet like? And she told me all, all the stuff she's eating. And I'm like, you might want to try to remove those things first before you try this medicine. But I get it. And I'm like, so what are you so worried about? You're a beautiful girl. She said, well, I'm, I'm, not as, I'm, I'm not as beautiful as these other girls. These, these other girls are so pretty. And I'm like, ah. Ah, uh, what convinced you of that? Who convinced you of that? Was, you know, so this is something that you've, that you've convinced yourself of. This voice inside your head, let's call her bitch face, mm-hmm. okay? So bitch face told you that you're not as pretty as these girls. Because you have a little acne, you're even worse. Now imagine if this bitch face was an actual person sitting across from you. And this person that you're hanging out with said, you're not as pretty as those girls. Why do you think you can hang out with those girls? Or why do you think you can get a man like they got? You know, you're not. What are you going to say to that person? You're going to tell that person to fuck off. Be like, hey, wait, what? You can't talk to me like that. And she, she even said that. She's like, I would tell them to, to get, get the fuck out of here. Da, da, da. And I was like, exactly. So what's the difference in saying that to the voice in your head. It's, it's the same exact thing. And, and the quicker that we realize that it's something we can manage, I think it's going to give us all of our confidence back. Oh, yeah. My, my friend Kat helped me come up with this concept when I was breaking up with my ex because there was just so much insecurity that starts swelling up in me, within me due to like you know, the, the other guy that was involved and that I knew him and ended up being in a class with him, that whole thing I talked about in a previous episode. But there's so much insecurity in my, like, self-worth, who I am as a man, my uh, desirability. She's like, you need to give him a name. Like, what a name? And for some, either myself or her came up with the name Brian. And so it just, like, <laughs> those thoughts would start popping in my head. I'd be like, fuck you, Brian. They'd be driving. So to do in public, we're just walking like, yeah, well, fuck you, Brian. You know, just stop it before it starts. Give it a name, name it. Name that negative self-talk, that ego side of you that's telling you that you ain't all this and that you created this story for yourself that's keeping you down, this shame monster that's holding you down. Give it a fucking name so you can kick its ass. Yeah. Fuck you, Brian, get out of here. Yeah, my, recently, my, uh, my thing is I'm getting ready to make a really big move with my business and it's the next step, big level kind of stuff. And I was laying in bed one night after the second or third night that I did decided to really like move forward with it. And I was like, you can't do this, man. This is beyond your level that you, you need these other people to help you with this stuff because you can't do it on your own. And I was tossing and turning and I finally went, fuck you. Fuck off. I can do this. I can. I can. So shut the fuck up. And I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. You know, because that, that, that other person doesn't have to exist. I, I'm telling people to give a name for it, but I don't have a name for mine yet. Mm. So maybe because I'm kind of become, I've become so aware of it, I believe, that 
I know I can control it now. Mm. And I and I also it's helped me it's helped me in the sense of stepping above, you know, a petty fight with with my partner even. Like don't let her say that to you. Like she you do all this shit for her and she, she she's going to talk to you like that and she's going to fucking Hey, hey, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Because she's in her existence and that that's okay. And she's, you know, she's got something that's going on that I may, I may not understand. And that's okay. So voice, you shut up cuz this is you're not doing our relationship any good. It's almost like having a third person. It's almost like having a roommate in your relationship that's telling you you're gonna let her talk to you like that. You know what the image I was just, just getting of just like in, in, in antagonizing. Yeah, that in like middle school or high school. Hey, you always had that buddy. It's like, bro, you're gonna let him talk to you like that. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Are you gonna let? You're just gonna let him walk alone. You know, like yep. as things are heating up, and that's like there's always that guy. It's like, bro, you're gonna let him talk to you like that. Then you go out and you fight. And you get suspended <laughs> yeah, and you, you hurt somebody. A bunch of trouble and, and yeah, life's much worse off instead of just walking away. I think we're seeing so much of that right now around this pan- pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's pe- people that they're just stuck in their b- belief things are a certain way and they just want to start talking shit in their head. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but the bringing that voice into the home and letting that voice control the way you treat other people, I think th- a lot of that is also. What they talk about in that same what Ram Das talks about in that same episode is we've all been busy becoming somebody. Yeah, we've been working our whole life to become somebody, and in in this fast paced, got to make money, everything so expensive world, we've done a really good job at creating that somebody as our career. Mm. I'm a banker i'm a this or that like whatever it is you you, you are then you start to build that identity around who you are and i i know this because i did this in the past and i and i was influenced by other people that i worked for and worked with and that i thought were successful because of the way they they treated people and they were successful because of the way they spoke and carried themselves and i carry myself like this because this is what a successful person does and at the end of the day, you're not that person. You're you. You're, you're your own special makeup that was, you know, incarnated and, and you're going to go back. You're here for a temporary time. And until you're going to really recognize your true self, you're not going to really live life. You're, you're going to be stuck in this, I'm somebody. And then you're training your children to be somebodies because mm-hmm. that's how we got through life. That's how we've got here. And it's something that comes back to the voice in your head. Mm-hmm. It, it, it always does because without that voice in your head guiding you, you're not going to really get anywhere. I, I even look at some of these people that are, crazy workout freaks you know that are can't stop and they just push 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 and it's it's almost they are inevitably pushing themselves away from whatever it is they don't want to face mm-hmm. but they become this somebody because that somebody is able to overcome that hurt child mm-hmm. that someone has been able to overcome their demons and shit that they have gone through and maybe they've dealt with it. Most likely they haven't. But at what level is that voice going to be gone? Or are you going to be able to control it because you would rather have a life of love and a life of your true self? Well, I feel like what you're talking about with you know, your example of the workout freak is the, the epitome of an addictive personality. So, you know, I think we put it on like, yes, obviously it's much healthier to like get really into fitness and working out than like smoking meth. But at the end of the day, you can let something overtake you where it's covering up that inner hurt child, whatever that trauma is that you put it on something because it's it's a release. Like I noticed, I think I've mentioned this before, that at the start of 
uh, quarantine when so many musician friends couldn't play live. That was like their only joy was to get in a room, create with fellow musicians, play live, feel that energy. Because I mean, it's it's a crazy high you get from playing a live show. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I love it too, but I saw like the like the suffering they went through during it because they weren't able to do that. And they're like, well, man, man like music is my life. And I'm like, that's putting a lot of pressure on music. Like you got to flip that where, you know, for myself, I was really realizing like music is not my life. My life is my life. Music is how I choose to express it. My ups, my downs. So I'm not coming into a show trying to take from the crowd as an interaction. It's like, I'm there to provide almost like a service. You're in, in service of something. You're, you're, letting this muse flow through you for other people to relate to. And then you have this energetic exchange through the whole thing, but just to rely on the high that you get from that. It's just a take, take, take. And then you can create this whole structure around yourself that like, I am a musician. Like that, that is the fabric of your being. This, that is your identity. Or to me, the peace comes through becoming of no identity as you, you are a soul. You are a soul. That thing is a soul. And we're just like having this human experience the identity is what we create for ourselves. And the da- the more dangerous aspect of that is when you create that negative identity for yourself. That you're like, I'm, you know, I'm not attractive. I'm poor. I mean, how many of us tell ourselves that we're poor? Poor is a state of mind. Not having a lot of money right now is a temporary fix. Being poor is a state of mind. You know, it's having that flip of mentality of realizing that, that how much is the stories we tell ourselves as opposed to things that are just happening to us in life right now, like not having a lot of money, not having the time to to work out, like being caught in that cycle of not feeling attractive. So you, you make yourself f- keep feeling less attractive through your actions. But it's all this vicious cycle because of the story we're telling ourselves, it's not a temporary occurrence that you can overcome. You know, so not to confuse those two things, but again, why realizing your identity is so important. As when I realized when I was in India, I realized that I was in love and attached to the person that I was on social media without realizing it. Like what I portrayed on social media, I was really in love with that idea. You know, I tried to be pretty transparent and stuff. But I was still in love with that idea, that attachment of it. And I kind of started just weaning off social media altogether because I had to realize like, who is this this person I'm creating? And how can I just still be me and realize that like, well, I am a person that's somewhat in the public eye because I play music, I do this podcast, I do all these things, but I'm not attached to any of that. I'm just trying to be the most authentic, vulnerable me. Where in that instance, man, I grew up with so many guys I looked up to because they got the girls, they had the money, the cars, whatever. And they like kind of, a lot of them acted like assholes. So I thought, well, like, well, I don't want to act like an asshole, but I guess that's the only way to get there. That Yeah, exactly. But that's the only way you get that. And I want that. But once I stepped out and started realizing who did I really respect in life, like who are my big idols, they were just them. Mick Jagger is just Mick Jagger. Isn't a guy putting on an act. Yeah. That guy just lives that. <clears throat> exactly. You know, it's not it's not something that they like, yeah, they embody this character, but it's not something where it's like you're changing the fabric of your being to achieve a goal because that's not going to bring happiness. If, if you're trying to do that because you think you're going to get you a bunch of girls, it's not going to bring the girls that you want, the ones that are good for your life. And yeah. how many guys find that out the hard way years oh. down the line when they're on wife number whatever that took all their money? Yeah. And, you know? <laughs> and they and then they work until they're dead because of their divorces. That happens all the time. It's, you know, you bring up the social media aspect of this and the creating somebody, you can create whatever you want on social media if you're going to put the time into it. I mean, how many people on social media are now, I'm an influencer. Yeah. That's what I am. I'm, yeah. a, I'm an influencer. So I'm going to, you know, look this way, talk this way, tell people this. And that's where we kind of go, go back to there's not enough people really talking about how they really feel. Like, hey, Today sucks. Yeah, I cried last night because I'm just sad, or uh, things are not good. But that's okay because I'm gonna get past them. You don't hear that. You just hear people. Things are great. Oh my god, I made so much money. I I use this new face cream and my face looks great. And it's just it's weird, but it's 
it's even more elevated now with these identities. Mm. Man, you know what I'm loving when it comes to the whole influencer thing? I have some some friends that are beautiful, like female models on Instagram. They've been posting a lot more pictures of just like, hey, this is what a body like really looks like when you're not like in a photo shoot. And they're like wearing bikini, they look amazing. But like, this is like, yeah, you know, you have stretch marks, you have this, you have that. This is what a body is. I fucking love that. So it's not setting this unreal expectation for younger women to look up to. Yeah, and I'm not even, I'm not saying the influencer thing is even bad. If you can make money wearing clothes and take, taking photos. That's Get it. fucking cool. <laughs> right? uh, I'm just jealous. People are making a lot of money doing that. It's yeah. awesome. But just in the back of your mind, you just have to realize like, okay, well, at what point am I going to start to be myself and show people who I really am and that's where I'm really going to be happy. And that's usually a thing that comes with age maybe, mm. I think. But, you know, it's it's everybody... Everyone's gonna gonna do their thing, and they're gonna be what they want to be. But it's just at the end of the day that you you might be a little upset that that somebody that you created for yourself is not working for you. Well, and here's the more dangerous thing too: is the karmic repercussions of this identity you create for yourself. I'm, I was just thinking you posted a great meme the other day. On Instagram, and I can't remember if it was like Ray Bradbury and Aldous Huxley, or what the two yes. kind of like authors were saying that like the decline of future civilization will be fear. It was, the other one saying it was or- desire. Orwell. Orwell. And the other one was desire, desire, right? And then showing that's like social media is really the combination of both of those. Yeah. That you have this desire because you want to be somebody that you see, and you have the fear you'll never become that. So by if you are in this influencer role or really just anyone that's posting anything out for the world to see, whether you're on social media or not, there's karmic repercussions of that, of like you're creating then a whole slew of like fear for impressionable people to live upon of like, well, I guess that's what I need in my life. I guess if I want to be anybody, be something, be good, you know, feel good about myself, I need this because this is what this person portrayed who wasn't even living that or desired that anyway and they were just living off someone who told them that story to begin with and then it just keeps getting passed down and passed down and passed down same way it does in families when you know you have a, a parent that tells you you know the only way is like you know work your ass off your whole life and that's the only part that matters you know or whatever the story it is that you pass on to your children you know like you just end up creating more generational suffering even to the minute level Gener- suffering doesn't have to be that it was like well you know, I, I didn't beat my kid, so it's all good. It's like, well, you didn't beat your kid, but you passed on a bunch of like shit that you didn't process and deal with from an identity you created for yourself that your dad passed on to you, and now you're passing that on to your kid. You know, it's up to us to to break that cycle from passing it on to others due to us figuring out the bullshit of our own identity we created for ourselves. Yeah, sometimes I'll catch the that voice being degrading or or mean to myself and or saying I'm just this when I know I'm getting to a bad spot the voice in my head goes I'm fucking sick of it all I'm just fucking sick of it all that's when I know I'm like okay I'm I'm being pushed a little too far I'm pushing myself a little too far it's time for me to take a step back and I'll, yeah. I'll sometimes take a half day off work and go ride bikes or mm. try to surf or what whatever that that is that yeah. that gets me out of that mode of I've got myself stuck in this mud, this spiritual mud that I got to rise above out of. And I, I got to yeah. get to this place of of my true being and, and where I need to be to keep my head straight. Yeah. That's, it's so important. And, you know, I'm somebody that needs to do that more often because uh, I've just been working like crazy lately. But for me, it's I have to get out of L.A., experience that like I'll go up to the mountains I'll go visit my dad who lives two hours away something just to remove myself from the city and then all of a sudden it's like I'm like oh yeah life isn't that hard you know this is just a temp- this is just something I'm experiencing right now you have such a fresh perspective if you have something that can remove yourself from your current situation well, there's a there's a collective energy of fear in these larger cities and I think you're seeing a lot more of this fear these fear-based narratives around larger cities because you're so close to everybody and i think the collective energy 
of these larger met- metropolitan areas, it just adds up. Mm. And you can cut it with a knife. I feel it when I'm down here. Well, L.A. in particular, because think of how much fear resides in L.A. because it's the capital of the entertainment industry. So how many people are moving here in the hopes they're going to make it, but the flip side of that coin is the fear that they're not. Mm-hmm. That energy is all around. What I've found, too, is like, I used to talk a lot of shit about like Hollywood types. You know, someone's always like name dropping this and that. Wheeling it. I'm realizing like really all that is is someone that just has like a lot of fear. And I started having more compassion for those types of people because that's why they're making, you know, kind of puffing their chest out and doing this and that. It's like they're living out of a place of fear that they're not worth their weight. So they got to like constantly prove to everybody that they are. Yeah, they, they, they've, they're, they're becoming somebody. Yeah. And that somebody that they're becoming needs to know these people. Mm-hmm. Needs they needs you to know that they know these people. Yeah. So there's there's a definite you know definitely dampens your entire vi- vibration. Oh, huge! Because it's hard for me to truly relate with people that are really deep into that kind of talk and yeah. act. But and I, I used to just be like, man, I don't trust them. I'm not hanging out with them. And then I had to drop that. And it was actually Matt from Blood Moon Hellers that kind of called, called me out on just being like. Like, dude, you gotta like trust to get trust. And I was like, man, like I was just been viewing it in kind of more of a hating way than a compassionate way. Where my like card for this year is just like, I'm gonna deal with a lot of shit this year, and the way through is compassion. So how can I feel? If I'm something's coming up in somebody where I'm not liking them, how can I have compassion for it? And for someone that was triggering me so bad as like that quote unquote Hollywood type, it was having compassion of like. They're just all as, as afraid as like the rest of us trying to make it in this town. And this is their way of like proving their worth and feeling like they need to throw up their peacock fle- feathers by showing how much they are worth instead of just being them. You know, whereas realizing like when I work with a lot of people, it's like, I'm working with you because I, I want to work with you. I'm not trying to use you. I'm not trying to do this or that, you know, but it's almost just like sometimes you see that and you want to be like, oh man, pat them on back. It's all good. Like you don't need it. You don't need to, you know, do all that. Uh, we're good. You know, like, you know, like, you take a day off or yeah. something. But yeah, yeah. The there's no there's no other way to get to where you want to go than being your your true self. Yeah, you won't make it far otherwise. You won't make it far otherwise. Like you look at the best com- comedians out there, and the and the 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 best, you know. People like, uh, you know, the. I think when with comedians are a great example because the ones that are themselves are the best. Like uh, uh, Dave Dave Chappelle. Yeah. What you see is what you get with him, I believe. Or Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Um, uh, Tim Tim Dillon. Yeah. <laughs> that dude is on point all the time, and he's he's hilarious, and he says some. Terrible shit, and he said, but it's but it's like funny because you you know he's joking, and even if he's not joking, he's being himself. Yeah, and it's like yeah, that's what people want. People want real life. I think that's the beautiful part of that that the medium of of comedy is that's why you love it, right? Because you're seeing such a vulnerable part of somebody in this like you're everything's wrapped up in a joke, so it can kind of be digested, but. We all have those thoughts. That's why people relate to comedians so well. It's like someone like Bill Burr that can like set so many people off. It's like you laugh or you're set off because you know there's a part of it of him that you think the same way, and that's why you think it's funny or or is pissing you off, you know. And yeah. I love that about comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, so it's it's a it's a lifetime of of mastery, and I've been on the notion of. You know, listening to your gut, to truly listening to your gut and acting on it is self mastery. Mm-hmm. That is just the if you can do that, your whole life you're pretty much going to take the right steps. You know, something else that I was just, I was thinking about is how many times have we found ourselves in a situation in life where we're like, we feel like we're in over our heads because we're like, oh, I'm not supposed to be in this kind of situation. I'm not supposed to have this kind of girl. I'm not supposed to have this type of opportunity because that's the story we told ourselves. But having that confidence to like be like, but I'm here, so I'm just going to have to keep rolling with it. And I realized, you know, whether it was like the first time I was working with like 
big artists or in a proper like large recording studio where I was like, oh man, I hope they don't find out that I'm not supposed to be here. Or even there was a sense of that with like dating when I first started dating my current girlfriend. I was like, oh, someone like me is not supposed to get a girl like Imposter this. syndrome. Imposter syndrome. But I I was fortunate that I was like able to catch that I was doing that. I was like, well, hey, I'm here. So all I can do is be the truest me I can be. And hopefully, if that if that's you know, if I'm not supposed to be here and they find out because I'm being the truest me, they kick me out. Because I, I, the last thing I will ever want is to be realized for somebody that I'm not. But not letting that imposter syndrome self-implode yourself before you have the opportunity to really like find out what a situation is and why you're supposed to be there. Think about athletes, famous athletes. Someone like Brett Favre or someone like uh, Tom, Tom Brady or Michael Jordan or Mike Tyson. You've... You're, you're that person and you're known for a certain thing and that's all you've done. And they retire and they just kind of, you know, they, they probably have, have a really hard time. A lot of them don't retire until really late and they end up hurt. Like Muhammad Ali, yeah. certain boxers and stuff, they, they've identified so much with just being this thing that they've worked so hard to create, which is great, but at the same time, you have to have some balance of, of you know, who you really are. Man, I was a while back, like recording some adult classes, like for money, like I'd you know bring a video camera and record the audio and you know, put it on a DVD for people. And this one was like about transitions. It's all it's called. And I, I was figuring it was gonna be like it was like about life transitions. So I was like, oh, this will be really cool. It's about like you know, like if you lose a loved one or. What it was, was the majority of people were, were all seniors who were having a really hard time being retired because all of a sudden they weren't a CEO. They weren't a doctor. Yes. And they were having a very, like they were suffering yeah. because they like didn't know what to do. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me of going like, man, I never want to be, like going back to the, like, yeah, I'm a musician. I never want to be, that's, I don't want that to be my identity. I'm Brandon. You know, I'm this this being in this world right now. Like that's what I do for a living. That's what I how I express myself. But that's not my whole identity. And to see like how much suffering these people are going through now that they were retired and they weren't the CEO of this company or a practicing doctor of this practice, you know, it was a trip. And I think what we have to all remember is we're all still children. Yeah. What were you like when you were a child before you had something happen or before you decided or maybe your parents decided for you that you needed to be that somebody? Who was that? Because that's the person you really are. You have to go back to the beginning. It doesn't change. I see Sebi and I see his, his friend. <laughs> he has this friend who is just like a little badass dude. He never smiles. He just like looks at you like he I have this video of him. They're they're in one of those little toy cars. Sebby's got his hair up and he's smiling and waving. He's like, you and then the kid is sitting with one hand on the steering wheel, one arm up, looking to the side, like just full vibe. I'm like, <laughs> this kid is this kid's like a, a little like badass. He he never laughs, he never smiles. I don't think that kid one day is going to change and turn into someone that's just play, like like silly and smiling and joking yeah. all the time. I think that's who he is. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we forget that we're still that child. Mm -hmm. I've seen it on ayahuasca. I've seen it numerous times. My you know trauma a lot of times stems from our childhood and which molds us into this person that has learned how to bury that. And and or we were told by the the somebody parent type that is like don't be such such a kid anymore. You got to be an adult. You need to go to school. You need to get a degree. You need to get a good job. You need to be making this much money. And okay, okay, all right. That's that's what I got to do. And yeah. and I've done that. And my parents are happy that I'm here, but I'm not happy. And I, I think that happens with a lot of di different things. Like look at how how many kids were great athletes. 
there's a famous cy- cyclist, uh, Taylor Finney. I don't know him, um, but I, he, he, he got hurt in really bad and came back for a couple of years, started to get really good again. And then he kind of just quit out of no, no, nowhere. But he, but he, now he's like painting a lot and now he's having fun riding bikes, but he grew up in a cyclist family. His mother and father were both Olympian cyclists. So was that pressed onto him and something that he did to make his family happy? It doesn't, because if he really loved it, he probably would still be in it because he was still at the top of, of his game, yeah. really. So I think you see that in sports quite a bit. I know you have a fam- family member who who was yeah. really good at fo- football and could have went all the he fucking way. He was nailing 80-yard field goals. He was insane. He had full ride to uh, to Boise and got there. He ended up getting kicked out because he didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be there. Yeah, because he that wasn't the person he wanted He to got be. into farming and permaculture and is living a very happy life now. Love it. And the, but the sad thing is, I think there's, and he, I've talked to him about this, there's still probably members in our family that think he fucked up. Yeah, I, I bet. And because we base so much money, I, I mean, we, we base so much around success being material wealth. Mm-hmm. And most material wealthy people I know, the really wealthy ones, are fucking miserable. Yeah. Miserable. There's so many problems. They don't sleep. They always look tired, and they're just like, "Oh, but that that guy's worth hundreds of millions of dollars." Like, okay, but have you seen him lately? Do you know his relationship with his kids? Do you know his relationship with, with, with his family? There's not one. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, and the this one guy I'm thinking about in particular, his kids resent his entire business mm, yeah. because the business took their father away. Yeah. So where is the real wealth? You know, when if you're in Indian culture, Hindu culture in particular, I believe, they base their wealth around the amount of children. Mm. They that's that's a that's a form of material wealth to them in in certain places. And so really if you if you have an opportunity to have a healthy family and do something where you can spend a lot of time with them or work hard until you, with with the plan of hey I'm going to get out of this thing at a certain time here's what I got to do to get out of this thing and have enough money to be able to raise my family the way that I want to raise them and so they really know me and I really get to teach them these ways of the world that I've learned otherwise they're going to learn it somewhere else and they're going to end up you know being Maybe as unhappy as you are. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the way I I see it, and and I see. I mean, how many of these trust fund kids do you see that end up on drugs? Oh, yeah, and just destroyed. Yeah, and and yeah. they're and and the whole time their parents, you you should be grateful. You know, do you know how how lucky you are? They're like, well, no, because this is all I know. Well, and I think. Because yeah, my my ex would was like work with kids a lot, and she was working in a uh, very affluent community. And I think you know, even I was kind of like, oh, what kind of problems would they have? Oh, some of the biggest though, because oh, exactly what you're talking about. It's like a new one kid, because I went on like a little trip with them where it was like go like feed at homeless shelters and things around Seattle, and getting to know them, it was realizing like their parents would provide everything for them besides their love and attention. Yes. So it's like, hey, you turn 16, here's a BMW. Yeah, here, you and your friends go to Cabo for the week. But like their parents were just never there. And you could see like, then they started, even the way they talk, it was just so nonchalantly about all the things they owned, all the things they did, but there was never any like, anything was about human connection. And you're like, man, like are they that? You could see like, well, they're lucky. They got everything they wanted growing up. It's like, not really. They got any maybe material thing. They never got to receive like the love and affection and attention that they desired as a child, as a growing human. Yeah, yeah, man. It's a, it's a success is a uh, slippery slope. Yeah. And if you do it right, and you're an entrepreneur, like I don't have a lot of time, and I don't get, I don't get to spend as much time as I would like to with my son and my family. But I'm working towards making more time. 
I'm working towards being able to afford more time. Mm-hmm. I I have this, you know, now as I'm starting to, you know, step up this ladder of of wealth, it's I'm seeing that there comes a point where you have to start using your money to make time. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, then you're just being greedy. Yeah. Because like if I can start to, if I can build my company to the point where I can have someone be the creative director and I can take that duty off myself. Yeah. I can build my company to the point where sometime I can hire a CEO to run the company. Then that takes off more time and that gives me more time to do things that keep me healthy, to stay with my family, help raise my children better. I mean, you start to, people give these, you know, celebrities and wealthy people, well, they have a personal chef. They they have nannies. They have maids. Well, they're buying time. It's at the end of the day, time is the most precious thing that you have. You don't get it back. You can't exchange it. You can't do. You can exchange it, but you can't. You, it's not really tangible in the sense where you know. I'm you're gonna get a return on your time. Well, I guess you could look guess, at it that way. A I bit, guess you but can. Yeah, but it, you're not it, gonna it, double your time all of a sudden. Yeah, in the way of you're getting old time back, like money invest, old money that you invested, getting it doubled back. Absolutely, and by paying someone to do something that you don't have time to do, or they can free up time for you to do something that's more essential and potentially make you more money and cut down the amount of years that you're going to have to work, you have to find that balance. Because if you're going to try to just run your own business and do everything yourself, you're going to burn out and you're going to end up burning up, yeah. really. Because you you have to have a point where, okay, this is not making a big return for me being this guy. I need to pay someone to, to do that. Yeah. And being an entrepreneur is really hard, man, because you don't, you, it takes a long time to even get to that place and still remain pro- profitable. Yeah. So those are just my, my ideas on, you know, success and wealth and 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 making a really comfortable life for ourselves and and I do want to leave something for for my children and I do want to give back and be able to to spend more money and time on on things that I feel are helping people and helping the, the planet and helping us as a co- collective of people that are all connected yeah and the the less connected we are the worse off we're going to be yeah and that really starts with ourselves. Like, how connected are you going to be with? However connected you're going to be with yourself is how connected you're going to be with everybody else. Mm, absolutely, yeah. You know, because you're going to walk walk around all all day saying that you're a, uh, I'm an actor. That's what I am. That's what I do. Okay, well, then you're disconnecting your yourself from everyone other than actors. Mm-hmm. And that's a from what I heard that that's a pretty small world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you could view us as all actors in this grand game of life, <laughs> playing a persona. I guess. <laughs> There's been many years of my life where I was a really good actor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, really good bullshitter, too. I just kind of, you ever had those nights where you just like go out to the bar and you're like, tonight I'm this? Just roll with that all night? Oh, I used to go up to uh, clubs, right? And I'd have like four or five pe- people with me to a club where I didn't know, know anyone way back in the day. And I'd be like, I would walk, walk up to, to the guy. And we'd all be dressed up looking pretty wild and stuff. And I, I would walk up to the door, door guy. And I'd be like, hey, man, I'm the bass player for, for Coldplay. Um, th- this is my crew and stuff. Is it okay if we just get, get in? He's like, he, he'll like look, look back, look around and be like, all right, man. All right, yeah. <laughs> I used that like. <laughs> was it always bass player or Coldplay? I think it was, oh, yeah. Because no one knew what that guy looked like. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> you gotta be that guy that is like, like, yeah. Does anyone know what the bass player for U two really looks like? That aren't hardcore U two fans. Yeah, no. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it worked so many oh, times. Oh man. So yeah, there were some times where I, I was an actor. I've, That's I've, great. I've definitely grift, grifted my way through a few oh. scenarios. I used to do at the horse track to get into <laughs> private boxes. We just like remember once with with some friends in Del Mar, and we just I was just like 
looking at the names on the boxes, and I was like, guys, come on. Because it was like the fourth race, and I was like, they're not coming. We sit down. It's like, okay, we're going to sit down. As soon as the waitress comes, order drinks. So we order drinks. I'm just like, you know, kind of like flag her down. Like, yeah, can we get, you know, beers for everybody? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And, she, and then she kind of comes back a little bit later. She's like, um, and then who are you? Because you could tell, and I could see the name in front, you know, in the, in the box. And then I was just like, I'm Lucas Holter. I'm, I'm the nephew of the guy's name on the box. So can we get those drinks? And she was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> just like that confidence and bullshitting. It was, used to be so fun to fuck with the night in that I re- kind of way. I remember Joe did this one time when you were in San Diego and one of our dumb shit friends, uh, I think he drank too much GHB or something in the in the club and they were like dra- <laughs> dragging him out. The <laughs> they were like, we were trying to drag him out and then one of the security guards started just talking shit. We're taking you, guys. we're taking we're this and that. And he started to rough up one of our friends and Joe runs up and goes, we were, we were in San Diego at the ga- gas lamp. Joe runs up and goes, my dad is the fucking DA of this city. We're going to come down and fucking sue all of you guys. <laughs> and, it, and it got us out of it. Oh, the man. guy's like, oh, um, okay, all right, cool. So, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess there's time where, times where that works. We, we were dumb kids, but yeah. Yeah, that's what happens when you read way too much Hunter S. Thompson in your early 20s and you're just like, oh, you can just like fuck with, with like culture, hardcore, if you have the awareness to do so. <laughs> You can go out and be anybody. I mean, now it's a lot harder because back in the day, there was no way to really look it up. Yeah, that guy could look it up. You're not that guy, right? (laughs) Now you can Google bass player or Coldplay and get in. It's no, you have to have a whole different deal now. What are they? Well, they're not even going to clubs now. But I wonder what they use now. You know? Yeah. I don't know. So, all right, man. Well, that was a great talk. I'm glad that we were able to get that one out because I feel it's important that we all realize that we don't have to listen to that shithead voice. Fuck Brian. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to make an... I, I guess mine's just shithead. Yeah. yeah. Fuck shithead. Fuck shithead. God damn it, shithead. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> so, right on, guys. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs>